Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part three of our uh, series on the small bowel and mesentery. And in part three, let me speak about CT angiography of the small bowel as it relates to tumors. We know that CT, particularly with 3D mapping, is ideal for looking at tumors. With CT angio, uh, again, there are certain tremendous advantages, whether it's detecting tumors, particularly those that are vascular, like carcinoid tumors, whether it's defining the extent of disease, particularly vascular involvement or encasement, as well as looking at distant metastasis and nodal spread. Now, in terms of using CT angiography, of course, we use a combination of 2D and 3D mapping, focusing in this talk a lot on the 3D mapping. One of the things we'll speak about, of course, is technique. We use water as an oral contrast agent. When you combine that with fast injection of IV contrast material, it's really ideal for looking at bowel. Now, in terms of small bowel neoplasms, let me just step back a bit and go through some facts. It represents less than 5% of all GI tumors. Its clinical presentation is variable, and we know it's always difficult to diagnose clinically and radiologically. Often from presentation to diagnosis can be four to six months. In terms of tumors, classically we divide tumors into primary tumors like adenocea, lymphoma, carcinoid, and gist, and then metastatic disease would be another thing we'll think about and we'll look at. In terms of adenocarcinoma, which is the most common primary small bowel tumor, we know it's more common proximally, greatest in the duodenum. Presentation is variable from acute abdomen to weight loss and anemia. We see with increased frequency in certain conditions like Crohn's and sprue, for example. In terms of CT appearance, it's variable. Earliest, it's a small focal area of infiltration of bowel. Tumors may be polypoid. You may see constricting lesions. You may see large ulcerating lesions. Of course, the larger the lesion, the easier it is to detect. The smallest lesions are the ones where 3D mapping works nicely. At the arrow, you can see a 2 centimeter or less adenocarcinoma of the second portion of the duodenum. Notice the difference between the folds, proximal and distal to the tumor, and the tumor itself. Again, it's small, but shows very nicely on the coronal plane, particularly with water as a contrast agent. And here's just one more targeted view, and you can see how easy it is to miss this lesion. Again, in looking at the second and third portion of duodenum and even first portion, the coronal display, whether it's a simple coronal MPR or 3D, is really ideal. Another similar example, you can see in this case, infiltration of third to fourth portion of duodenum by tumor. Again, look at the transition from normal to abnormal bowel. We can see in this case of a fourth portion of duodenum tumor, the proximal bowel is dilated. Here's volume rendering. Here's another volume rendered image. You can see from the third to fourth portion of duodenum, the tumor infiltration, there's some enhancement of the tumor, though it's not totally obstructing the bowel. And here it is with MIP. Again, MIP is good for looking at the vessels, but not for looking at the mass. And here's that same data set with the uh, volume rendering. And it really shows you nicely why the volume rendering has critical advantages in looking at bowel. And if you look at the MIP image, you'd be hard to recognize the tumor, where in the volume rendered image, it's ideal. Let's look at a second tumor, and that would be carcinoid tumor. And it's typically associated with carcinoid syndrome. GI manifestations are chronic diarrhea, intestinal colic, malabsorption syndrome, and potentially small bowel ischemia or infarction. Some of the basic facts. 
Tumor metastasis from carcinoid rarely occur in, in lesions under a sonometer, but uh, will occur fairly commonly as tumors get larger. Uh, ileal tumors are most common to metastasize, and in fact, in the GI tract, 90% of cases arise in the ileum. So it's kind of the reverse of adenocarcinoma. We know that these tumors secrete serotonin, which is metabolized by the liver, to 5-HIIAA, and excreted in the urine. And liver metastasis is seen in over 90% of patients with carcinoid syndrome. We know liver metastases are typically hypervascular and can become isodense if you only had late phase imaging. In terms of primary tumors, we'll not uncommonly these days at least see the mass within the bowel or in the mesentery. Desmoplastic reactions are very common. Calcification of mesenteric masses, that mesenteric mass in the one to five centimeter range is not uncommon. About two thirds of cases in most articles in the literature will calcify. And we commented before they commonly go to liver and they're one of those unique tumors that's markedly hypervascular. Now, one of the things about carcinoid tumors and the desmoplastic reaction is it really does narrow the vessels and case the vessels. And so what you can end up with is mesenteric ischemia and infarction. So that's one of the big issues. So let's look at a couple examples. Here's carcinoid tumor, large mass, root of mesentery, very, very impressive desmoplastic reaction. You see the prominent vessels. You see another patient, carcinoid, encasement of the SMA. You can see the desmoplastic reaction, the neovascularity. And you can see that very, very nicely on MIP, as in this case, or in volume rendered images. You can see it also in another patient with an MPR, again, large mesenteric mass. You've got to think carcinoid with desmoplastic reaction. You could think lymphoma. You, you could think metastasis. But if you see a desmoplastic reaction, you better put carcinoid at the top of your list. And here's just one more view showing the desmoplastic reaction. You could see the bowel nearby is somewhat thickened and it's hyperemic. And that's because you get those ischemic changes in patients with carcinoid. And here it's very nicely a 3D map. You really get a feel of those vessels. Another image here you can see in this patient, portal vein as well as SMA are encased and extensive collaterals very, very nicely seen. At some point, this patient's bowel will infarct, unfortunately. Here's a couple more images showing you very similar findings. Again, the MIP is really ideal for looking at collaterals. A combination of volume and MIP is ideal for looking at tumor as well as collaterals. Another patient, large mass root of mesentery. Here's another example of carcinoid tumor, which is only three to four centimeters. The desmoplastic reaction is not as impressive uh, at times with the smaller tumors, but in this case is fairly impressive. And when I show you a few more images of that case, you really can very nicely see the mass and the very, very prominent desmoplastic reaction. So I've seen very small tumors with very prominent desmoplastic reaction and larger tumors with less desmoplastic reaction. And here's that same patient, coronal and coronal 3D volume rendered image, really nicely showing you all of those collateral vessels. And here is another set of images, same patient, showing you a combination of the MIP and volume rendering. And here's another example, just showing you a little bit further in the volume with MIP. We've cut back some of the imaging uh, data, and you very nicely see the impressive collateral vessels. And you can understand why these tumors are unresectable, 
and you can understand the potential problems they indeed will cause. Now we mentioned carcinoid metastasis to liver or vascular. Primary tumors are often vascular as well. Here's a nice example of a carcinoid in the patient's uh, right lower quadrant. Tumor is in the uh, patient's uh, ileocecal valve level. That was a classic carcinoid tumor. Again, the vascularity was critical, and you can see here on a MIP view, the hypervascularity, the prominent feeding vessels are critical. And in another patient, same location for tumor in the patient's distal ileum, and you can see the bowel is edematous and thickened, and when this patient was operated on, uh, this tumor had caused ischemia of the patient's bowel. Now, I mentioned that mesenteric masses, you see calcification, think carcinoid, a few exceptions or a few difficult cases. You can see desmoid tumors, most commonly in Gardner syndrome. They're large tumors. They encase the mesentery. Occasionally, they can calcify, as in this example, and can look identical to a carcinoid tumor. Usually, carcinoids are discrete. Sometimes, the desmoid tumors are totally infiltrative. And here's one more set of images in that patient. So you really can see from the set of images really the infiltration of the process. Or in this case, look at this example. Look at the, from the coronal to the coronal 3D, really nicely showing you the calcified mesenteric mass as well as its infiltration. And here's an example of a tumor, not quite as large, but again, infiltrating mesenteric mass homogeneous, enhancing to a slight degree, stretching the vessels, but very, very consistent with, and in some ways diagnostic of, a desmoid tumor. Now, we commented before that desmoid tumors are more common in patients with Gardner syndrome, but that does not have to be the case. This next example is one with Gardner's, and this patient had increasing abdominal pain following a total colectomy, and you see the infiltrating mass in the root of the mesentery. Now, in addition to tumors, there are other things that cause inflammation within the mesentery. Uh, again, we think of tumors as masses and neoplastic processes, but things like carcinoid do give this inflammatory process in the mesentery, so it's something we should think about. And what we'll do in the next talk is speak about some of the inflammatory things that do occur within the small bowel and mesentery. And with that, I'll sign off and wish you a nice day.